Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's Jerry. Uh, yeah, it's Stuff You Should Know. <laughs> he just shrugged. Yeah, like, eh, what are we going to do? That's what we are. Yeah. Episode number... Seven something. Yeah. I have no idea. I, I don't either. It's in the 700s, though, folks. If you think there's only 300, because you're on iTunes, you're in for to be doubly surprised. Yeah, well, somebody um, tweeted recently, I've just found the How Stuff Works app, and there's way more stuff you should notice than there is on iTunes. I hate you guys now. <laughs> <laughs> right. like, Wait. I was cool with 301, but that's it. I had someone ask the other day if we feel like we're running out of things... Topics. Clearly we are, because we're recording on earwax today. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> what did you tell them? Look for boogers in the near future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, I said no, that sometimes I, it feels a little like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Yeah. But there's gazillions of topics in the world. At least. And gazillions of scientific. That's right. What is that? How many zeros? Is that a real number? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it is. Let's say 90 It's zeros. a real number if you're eight years old. Right. <laughs> But watch, it probably is a real number. Yeah. I think uh, um, a jillion is a real number. A bazillion? I, a jillion <laughs> definitely is. I would guess gazillion is by now. I might actually look that up. I mean, there's just like a handful of mathematicians who are in charge of naming that kind of stuff, you know? So, Chuckers, yes. while you're looking that up, do you have earwax? Um, do you have problem earwax? No. Nah, no. I don't either. No, I wouldn't say so. Um, it is a little distressing, though, even though we will find out it is awesome and exactly how it's supposed to work. Yeah. When it just sort of falls out of your ear onto your shoulder. Yeah. That's that's ideal, actually. Yeah, because earwax and your physiology in general doesn't care about what social group you're a part of. Nope. It's just like, here's some earwax on your shoulder. Deal with it. Although... And I didn't look up why this is true. Apparently, in northeastern Asian countries, like Korea and China, um, they their earwax is a little different. They're more likely to have the dry earwax, right. um, which can be hard and red to black in color, mm-hmm. which sounds gross, and flaky uh, or pale yellow, whereas over here we have that um, nasty, gooey, orangey mess. Wet earwax is what it's called. Yes. And the reason why, actually, is because of the ABC11 gene. Oh, is that why? Yeah, they isolated the gene that, that was a reason. causes the type of earwax that you get. And it turns out that, um, there, say the W, um, mutation yeah. is, um, or the D mutation, dry earwax is recessive. Mm-hmm. So the only way to get dry earwax is if both of your parents have dry earwax, both carry the D gene or D mutation of the ABC11 gene. Well, I have both. Most people have are WDs. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you have to get two D alleles, two dry earwax alleles to have dry earwax yourself. If you have a W and a D yeah. or two Ws, you're going to have wet. And for some reason- But I have both. Can't- you, like one ear's dry and the other's wet? <laughs> no. Like sometimes, you know, if I get the old uh, cotton swab out, which- Now you're introducing something way beyond genetics. (laughs) That's not even epigenetics. That's human intervention. 
point is, if I get the cotton swab out, that's when I'll get out the orangey, wax, uh, wet stuff. But um, I'll also have the dry, flaky stuff that falls out sometimes. Probably, I would guess, and I'm no ceremon expert. Yeah, I'm no ceremonist. Now, what's the what's the word? Uh, I actually looked it up for someone who studies this. Oh, really? It has to have to do with ceremon. Mm, I can't find it now. Uh, so ceremonist isn't the, ringing a bell. No, it's not. <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> I can't find what it is. Sorry. Okay. Well, the person who stu- I'm not a person who studies earwax. Okay. But what I would guess is that a when waxer. you're when you're digging in there, yeah. you're getting to the fresher earwax. That's what I think. And then as it works itself further and further out your ear, yeah, uh, which is the natural process, mm-hmm. it's exposed to drier air, the yeah. ambient air, and it dries out and flakes off, which is what it's supposed to do. Yeah, I think so. I don't think right. you have both. I think okay. if you had both, the stuff inside your ear would be dry. And would flaky. be dry as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. Um, so, what earwax is, or uh, cerumen, C E R U M E N, is the scientific name. But I'm sure they call it wax. It's the third chubby angel. <laughs> no, the cerebrum. Oh, yeah. Um, It is made up of uh, secretions of a couple of little specialized glands uh, in the skin on the outer third of the ear canal. Yes. Um, So you have your sebaceous glands, and they're going to secrete. And these names all sound so gross. (laughs) Really? But they're perfect for describing what they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, They secrete sebum, (laughs) S-E-B-U-M. Uh, and then you have um, an apocrine sweat gland that's modified that produces. Uh, it's got a hemi. Yeah, it combines. <laughs> it combines with the sebum, and that's where you get your cerumen. And so, sebum in and of itself is fairly normal. If you like, take your fingertip and rub it alongside where your nose folds into your face. Yeah, I get a little dry uh, skin there. That's well, if it if your stuff is at all oily, that uh-huh. oil is sebum. Oh, uh, okay. So apparently, it mixes in in your ear. With the um, the uh, that kind of apocrine gland, like you said, to to form cerumen, which is its own thing. It's not just sebum, right? But all of it is basically a fatty, oily, lipidy um, compound that's secreted by these glands in the skin cells, uh, specialized glands. Yeah, uh, about sixty percent uh, keratin, which is a protein, and then, like you said. The fatty acids, you've got dead skin cells, you've mm-hmm. got um, hair follicles. Dead bugs, little bugs. Yeah. Lots of stuff that comes out in this. And like you, like you said. Dust. Probably dust mites then too. Sure. And like you said, um, it's produced in the inner third of the outer ear. Outer one third of the ear canal. Okay. Yeah. Um, and when it's produced in there, it migrates outward. Thanks to um, the motion of the you, ocean, right? <laughs> and you talking and chewing. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, I couldn't figure out like how does your earwax move, but it's just from jaw movement. Normal jaw movement moves yeah. the old st- or the the newer stuff outward. Man. And as it's coming out, all the gunk and stuff that's protected your ear from are moved out with it. So the stuff that flakes off and falls on your shoulder uh, that everybody points and laughs at at the, <laughs> right. at the party, yeah. um, that is filled with all the stuff that your earwax caught along the way. It's a it's a beautiful, elegant process. Probably it the is. most beautiful um, aspect of the entire human experience. Well, I think you're making a joke. Yeah. <laughs> 
But I really do think that, like, it's the little things like that about, like, I'm amazed about the function of the brain and, of course, the organs and all that. But just something as simple as that mechanical talking and chewing will work earwax out of your ear. It's just so basic and I I think it's awesome. I I think it's really cool, actually. I know what you mean. I agree with you. Um, So some people produce a lot of this, um, I was going to say gross stuff, but. Have you seen Paddington? The movie? Yeah. No, I heard it was really good. It's, it's very good. Super, super cute. Really well done. Why did you see that? <sighs> Just because it's a cute movie. Really? Yeah. Um, saw it in theaters and everything. All right. Um, did. <laughs> Please tell me you took Yumi. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was me and Yumi. And as a matter of fact, it was just me and Yumi in the whole theater. But if it's just you and no kids, and no Yumi, <laughs> right. then it's like, somebody might want to call the security. <laughs> and they did. I'm just a Paddington fan. Um, but I am now. Yeah. So anyway, um, there is a part where there's a part featuring earwax in Paddington. And oh, really? It's, it's it does not celebrate the beauty of earwax. It's oh. the exact opposite. And actually, Yumi was like, Bleh. "Oh, really?" It got her. It was really gross, but Interesting. awesome. Is that so a anyway, go see go see Paddington. <laughs> Is that a spoiler? No, nah. no. Okay, I don't think so. Maybe for like a five year old, right? You know. Um, so, like I said, some people produce a lot of the stuff. Um, some people don't produce as much, and they don't really know. Why? Uh, but they do know that sometimes stress and anxiety um, can increase uh, production of earwax, which Makes I think sense. is interesting. Hormones? Sure. The hormones affected, your glands go off. It also said that some drugs can increase your earwax production. And I looked all over and C- couldn't you find, find the drugs. But if stress and anxiety does... Ayahuasca. I imagine, <laughs> yeah. Or cocaine would probably make you produce more earwax or something. Oh, yeah, when you uh, put that stuff in your ear. Yeah, or something that makes you, like, <laughs> chew your jaw a lot. Oh, sure. That could probably get more earwax out. Yeah, interesting. Never thought about that. I, I couldn't find any anything else. Um, as, as gross as you might think earwax is, though, it actually is a great thing for your body. And there's a very good reason uh, why you have it, because there are four main functions that uh, your earwax is going to serve, my friend. Okay. Uh, one of them is it creates an acidic environment. That's great. That kills, helps kill bacteria and fungi. Oh, even better. <laughs> Number two. Um, it is, well, that's that's a big deal, too, because your ear, your inner ear like mm-hmm. that is really a place where fungus and bacteria would thrive because it's moist and dark. <laughs> and, you know, what we always say about moist, dark places. Fungi thrives. That's right. Um, the thing is, is it doesn't seem like that'd be a big problem to have fungi in your ear, but it would because it would affect things like your balance, yeah. nausea, earaches. Um, it just wouldn't be good. So the fact that earwax produces an acidic environment alone makes earwax a beautiful thing and to be celebrated. So if we do, we could just stop there. We could, but you can go on. Like you said, there's four, and that was just one quarter of these <laughs> these benefits that earwax bestows. Uh, secondly, it is a lube. Um, it lubricates your ear canal basically to keep it from drying out. And, um, you know, you don't want the inner ear becoming all like itchy and dry and craggy. No, and you want to hear something weird that I've, a new personal hygiene thing I have to do as of yesterday, starting yesterday, something I'll probably have to do my whole life. Hair. I, I have to moisturize oh. my ears now. 
I thought you were going to say hair inside the ear. I was like, I, I have been doing that for a while. Oh, okay. It's getting, I got a little fro inside there. <laughs> An ear fro? Yeah. <laughs> but no, like taking moisturizer and like rubbing on my ears because I got a haircut yesterday and like my ears were exposed and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, why is like there a streak of white on my ear and they're bright red? And I realized like my ears are chapped and that is brand new or else I just noticed it. So I'm an ear moisturizer now. Yeah, you had that 70s uh, earmuff hairstyle cut off of your ears. Right. So your ears were exposed? Yeah, it was pretty 70s, wasn't it? Well, I was growing my hair out to, to create like a blank slate of, you know, that could be worked with. It was kind of longish for you. Yeah, it was really long. And it, it was that 70s like earmuff thing. It wasn't quite. It was getting there. It looks good. Very nice. Thanks. Sure. Did that make you uncomfortable? No, I was fishing for that. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the whole reason I brought that story up. You looked either sheepish or really uncomfortable with little, that. A little bit of both. All right, gotcha. All right, number three <laughs> on top four things that earwax does uh, is your cerumen and your it's hair fall. <laughs> just like Letterman. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's going to discourage uh, everyone's worst nightmare, which is a spider crawling in there. Mm-hmm. which I covered, uh, you know, that happened to Emily. I think I talked about that on mm-hmm. the, one of the shows. Right. That was genuinely one of the most awesome things mm-hmm. that I've ever experienced because it did not happen to me. Wasn't there a picture? Didn't you post a picture of it or something like that? Um, no, but there, uh, I think I, I posted a picture of a, a happening to some woman in China, I think. Okay. That was frightening. And it was a picture of a spider looking out. Oh, of yeah. the woman's ear canal, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but Emily's, if people haven't heard this story, it was, uh, I think it was in the middle of the night or something. She was like, I got this weird fluttering in my ear and I don't know what's going on in there. And I was like, well, you know, I took her in the bathroom oh and shined God. a light and I was like, holy crap. And the spider, I think, worked, didn't it? With the flashlight. Remember, did like, it? if you look at your, I don't know. Uh, did the, did Jerry's the... saying yes. Yes. Okay. So there you go. Well, all I remember thinking is, Emily, I don't want to have to break this to you, but you have a spider in your ear. You didn't like chloroform her first? I should have. Yeah, you should. Yeah, she was not excited about I'm that. Sure. She was not pumped. But so, I, uh, well, what was the process for getting it out? Well, I, I looked on the internet super quickly mm-hmm. um, to see how, and they said to flush it out and um, well, use just some like tweezers. Just a little warm. Oh my gosh, you did use tweezers? Yeah, and I and I put the water in there, and it kind of um, loosened it up, and went in there and got the tweezers, and I was like, "Look at this! How big was it?" Oh, I mean, it wasn't huge, but it was it was enough spider for her taste. Sure, <laughs> yeah, more than enough, right? Dude, it was. I can't imagine that. Well, you, some people like sleep with Vaseline in their ears oh, to, to prevent keep, that to keep bugs from crawling in. Yeah, like that is a thing. Yeah, I mean, people don't want. Bugs in their ears. No, but that's taken. I mean, that's a para- severe paranoia. I think if you're sleeping with earmuffs or Vaseline in your ears. Yeah. You know, earmuffs. I hadn't thought about that. Oh, so you. Vaseline. <laughs> um, all right. And number four, finally, is um, your earwax is going to trap some dead skin and hair cells mm-hmm. and basically all of that junk to carry it back out to keep it clean. So right. it sounds sort of counterintuitive to trap that stuff, but it's trapping it. So it can carry it out. And if you didn't have the earwax, it would just go in there. Right. And if you chew things like celery and you talk, then the earwax is going to work its way out in a slow process where all this stuff is cleaned out and you don't ever have to do anything with it. Under ideal circumstances. Not always are circumstances ideal. And we'll talk about how things can go wrong after this. 
Okay, Chuck. So, ideally, you don't have to ever think about earwax or anything like that except to brush it off your shoulder, right? Sure. But um, for some people, earwax can build up and become impacted. A lot of times, it's because people mess with it, like with uh, cotton swabs on a stick. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you may have seen the advertisement on the big called, game. I think they're just called cotton swabs. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> when, when uh, if you use that, a lot of people use those to clear out their earwax, right? Yeah, you're not supposed to. No, it's doing the exact opposite. Because your earwax is um, created and moves from the outside third of your inner ear, mm-hmm. um, when you rub a cotton swab on it, you're actually pushing it in further than it's supposed to be. And it, it can't get out as easily there. So what you're going to do eventually is have earwax buildup. Yeah, and it's it's so hard to get people to not do that because it's so um, rewarding when you get out of the shower and you use that swab and you get that orange gunk and you're like, oh, man, I'm so glad that's out of my body. Mm. But it's it's got a purpose. Leave it there. You're supposed to leave it there. Plus, there's, I mean, the, using cotton swabs can lead to other kinds of dangers, like you can push too hard and perforate your eardrum. Sure. You're, I, I think it really is true. You're not supposed to put anything larger than the end of a football in your ear. <laughs> Um, you can also clean it too much. Yeah. It can result in something called swimmer's ear. Yep. Where basically for people who spend a lot of time in the pool, their, um, ears are constantly irrigated. Yeah. And the, the canal becomes basically free of, um, of earwax. And as a result, bad things can happen. Yeah. And they say if you do have swimmer's ear, um, put a few drops of a acidic, slightly acidic, not acid, like hydrochloric acid. <laughs> right. Just put a 55-gallon drum of hydrochloric acid in there. What is a slightly acidic fluid, I wonder? Uh, like lemon? Maybe lemon juice? That's what I would guess. That's probably what I would do. I hope we're not advising something that's really dangerous. No, as a matter of fact, maybe you should go look up what yeah, you should put exactly. in there. Or go to your doctor. Yes, but they advise some slightly acidic fluid in the ear um, after you swim, and that reestablishes what should be a normal acidic uh, environment. Yeah, because you, when you strip out that earwax, you lose those big four benefits, and all of a sudden your ear is dry and cracky, and you've got fungus and bacteria growing in there, and you get ear infections, and it's not fun. The big four. Um, you, and back to creating a buildup of earwax, you get what's called cerumen impaction. Gross. And that is when like you have a bunch of earwax pressed against your eardrum, yeah. and it can result in all sorts of stuff like headaches, nausea, earaches, coughing for some reason. Um, and that can be from using Q-tips. People who use hearing aids run into this a lot. Yeah. Uh, and when your cerumen becomes impacted, you have to go to the doctor. That's right. Which my sweet wife had to go to the doctor when she was a little girl because oh, she really? got earwax impaction. Yeah, I uh, know. And uh, she said it sucked. Well, when you go to the doctor, if it comes to that, um, they're going to have quite a few techniques they could use. Um, ear syringing is one of them. Man, and it that sounds painful. It does. I don't think it is, though. I bet it's actually quite a relief. Yeah, that's not how I hear it. Oh, uh, really? Is it painful? That's, yeah, Yumi says it really is oh. not fun. Well, I didn't know if that was like a five-year-old Yumi or... Well, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> but even as an adult, she remembers it as not being very fun. Is this Paddington, Yumi? <laughs> right. Maybe that's why yeah. she had such a reaction. <laughs> Maybe. Um, they'll use other instruments. Sometimes they'll use a microphone, or I'm sorry, a microscope. That'd be weird. To uh, magnify <laughs> the ear canal. They, sh- they shout into it to shatter <laughs> your earwax. Um, and some people have a, a more narrow ear canal. Yeah. Uh, or if you have a perforated eardrum or something, that can be a problem. Um, basically, you want to go to a doctor. Uh, you could try some home methods like uh, peroxide or maybe mineral oil. Yeah, well, apparently warm mineral oil kind of breaks it up a little bit. Yeah, I used to. That's one of my most pleasing uh, memories as a kid when I had earaches. Is my mom would like heat up mineral oil and put it in my ear. Was, yeah, I'll bet that was nice. Felt really nice. Sure. Very warm. And when the, for some reason I like the feeling of water closing my ear, like when I get in a pool. Oh, yeah, I'll bet probably because of that. Yeah, maybe so. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Do you like that or is it what? <laughs> I was just mad you just like crawl into the fetal position. <laughs> Why is Chuck just floating in the pool like a baby? Um, I, no, I've never had much of an affinity for water in my ears. Because some people hate it. I don't hate it. I don't like it. Yeah. And like, you know, I'll bang on the side of my head if it feels like there's a, like a drop of water in there. Does that work? Uh, it can. Not always. I think normally the water just has to dry. Right. You know, yeah. Like, sometimes I get dizzy in my head. Spins. It hurts, yeah. <laughs> I used to see when I lifeguarded, I would see swim team members do that, though. And I was always like, I don't know if you – that just doesn't seem right. Once in a while it does. Yeah. And it just goes – and all of a sudden you can hear normally again. Interesting. I didn't see the reason for this, though, but they did um, in this one article I saw have uh, cautioned people against ear irrigation if you had diabetes. A what? Yeah. Why? I have no idea. Oh, I, meant okay. to follow, I meant to follow up on that. So we don't know what drugs cause an <laughs> increase in earwax buildup, and we don't know why if you have diabetes, yeah. you shouldn't do ear canal irrigation. I don't know. They said not to use irrigation if you have a perforated eardrum. I, yeah, I get that. A tube in the eardrum, uh-huh. a weakened immune system, or diabetes. Huh. I have no idea. I don't either. I'll have to follow up on uh, social media and let people know. Okay. Um, but they do say if you do want to clean your ear, it's not like you can't clean your ears, but just uh, wash your external ear with a cloth. But you should never stick something into your ear canal. Right. It's just no good. But it's interesting that the cotton swab business is huge. I mean, they've made a – if you think about it, they've made – I don't want to say it's – they shouldn't be selling these things – no, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Apparently, the, and I couldn't find out how much um, people spend on cotton swabs every year or how many are produced. We couldn't find out that either. But for 2011, <laughs> apparently Americans spent $63 million on ear cleaning stuff, home ear cleaning stuff. And I imagine a lot of that went to cotton swabs, but also like home irrigation kits and stuff like that. Yeah, because you can get those at the drugstore, right? Right. And those are fine. I, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, everything is upside down right now. Well, no. <laughs> no, I think the irrigation is fine if you don't fall into one of those categories that I mentioned it's because you're not sticking an object into your ear. That and then if you don't do it too frequently to where you're right. stripping the earwax out of your ear. Right. Because it's not like that thing just replenishes overnight, guys. I know. And, you know, I use the cotton swabs not a lot, but occasionally. But I'm not going to do it anymore. But it, it is, like I said, it's... 
it feels so good to get a big hunk of that stuff out. Yeah, I've never been into those. Yeah, I'm just, never. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to tell Emily too. I'm going to burn all that stuff. All I do is I take some soap and lather up my hands, do the outside of my ears, and then like I, I guess I just kind of follow the contours of the inside of my ears. And I'm trying to remember, like, do I go into my ear canals? And I think I intuitively stop with your fingers. Yeah, at about the outside, so I don't really go into the ear canal, and then rinse it out and get off and. Uh, get out of the shower, and then now I, um, I, I moisturize my ears afterward. Is the last step. That's great. Um, the other thing too that they, of course, you should never ever do, like cotton swabs is one thing, but like a car key, yeah, or bobby pin, or like a toothpick. What is wrong with you? I don't know. You should never ever stick something like that in your ear because you're just asking for trouble. Big trouble. Um, all right. Well, after this break, we are going to talk about. Ear candling. Stuff you should know. All right, so Chuck, mm-hmm. you teased everybody with ear candling. Why don't you tell everyone what that is? It's hokum. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Describe the hokum. Well, ear candling. And a lot of people don't know this, I think. I think a lot of folks say, like, oh, my gosh, it's the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also known as uh, auricular candling or coning. And it is a procedure in which you put a cone-shaped, um, waxy cone-shaped device in the ear canal. Um, and it's got usually like a plate underneath it between the cone and your ear. Right. And you light it on fire. And supposedly what it does is it... You stick the thing in your ear. And light it on and fire. And then light it on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, supposedly what it does is it creates a vacuum to pull out um, impurities. Right, because the flame supposedly needs oxygen. Well, the flame definitely needs oxygen to burn. Yeah. And it's getting its oxygen by sucking it out of the ear canal through the cone. Right. Hence creating a vacuum. And as it does, like you said, it sucks out impurities in the earwax and supposedly also clears your sinuses. Right. And, um, clears the, the plaque out of your... Um, dendrites and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, this one article by Lisa Ro- uh, Rosen, MD, said she went to, and this is in the 90s, but she went to a Discovery Expo in Atlanta and said that they had ear candlers there in one of the exhibitions. And the lady said that ran the booth, quote, it cleans the whole head, brains and all. They're all connected, you know. <laughs> <laughs> is that quote in there? Oh, yeah. Nice. End quote. Um, and, of course, it was in Atlanta. I'm like, oh, great. Although that doesn't necessarily mean that could be anywhere. Yeah, you're right. Sure, but um, there is there are a lot of people that think you know it's um, it's a cleanse for your ear and it does connect to your brain and it clears your head and it's a spiritual thing and it you know they don't know where exactly it came from but uh, China and ancient Tibet and uh, yeah pre-Columbian At- South America Atlantis. Yeah, they they all are cited as places where it might have happened. Yeah, no one has any idea where this stuff originated. It could have been created in the U.S. in the 70s, for all anybody knows. Should we read some of the things that supposedly helps? Yeah, we should probably also say, if you haven't been able to tell by now, um, science has thoroughly debunked ear candling. That's right. Um, and this is from that article. There's some that uh, Dr. Rosen and some of her colleagues got together and kind of step-by-step step took down the idea. Yeah, there's a list of like 40 things. We won't go through them all, but... Uh, relieves vertigo, uh, clears the eyes, purifies the blood, um, aids sinusitis, relieves earaches, 
opens and aligns your chakra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, releases blocked energy, reduces stress and tension, stabilizes your emotions. Um, it does none of that because <laughs> it is it is just been proven to be an outright not only fraud but dangerous. Right. So, and here's why. So, um, the first one is that uh, you can't pass liquids and gases through an eardrum that isn't perforated or ruptured. No. Um, so it's not sucking anything out of your inner ear or your um, lymph system or your sinuses or your brain. That's why your ears pop when you're in a plane. Right. If, if you could pass air through there, that wouldn't happen. There would be no atmospheric pressure going on. Right. So okay. that means that sticking a ear candle in your outer ear is not going to suck anything out because it can't pass through. That's right. that's point one, right? That's point one. Uh, point two is uh, oxygen uh, will cr- it'll create that vacuum and and suck out the impurities. Yeah, and that is just not true. Yeah, apparently like they tr- tested it, and yeah, doing trials of ear candles, they weren't able to um, create a vacuum in any of them. So there's no vacuum created. That's right. Uh, there's also uh, the idea that if a vacuum were created, it would suck impurities out. Apparently, after ear candling, some of these, uh, at least one of the same trials, studied the stuff, the residue that was found afterward, like I guess in the stump of the ear candle. Well, yeah, and that's what people point to because there's all this gunk. And they're like, look at all this stuff that came out of my ear. Oh, my God. Right. So what it turns out to be is ash from the ear candle and leftover wax from the ear candle, but not... It's just the ear candle. Not ear wax. No. Just the candle residue. Yeah, like they tested the substance. It is not cerebrum. Okay. In any form or fashion. Uh, the What about the idea that it's safe and effective? I think we took care of the effective <laughs> part. Yeah. But the safe thing... Apparently, there's a lot of injuries you can get from it. Um, that you can be burned is one thing. Sure. Um, you can perforate your eardrum. You can get infections. Um, you can get buildup of the candle wax to replace whatever wax you think you're getting out. Yeah, it could have the reverse effect. Exactly. And then um, one woman actually died from a fire that was caused yeah. in 2005 from ear candling. I looked it up. She was doing it, I guess, by herself on her bed. And the ear candle fell out of her ear and caught her bed sheets on fire. And she made it out of her house fine, but she was asthmatic and had an asthmatic reaction to the smoke and died. How did it happen that fast? I don't know. I guess she had some bunch of, uh, 1940s of like bed sheets or something. Oh, like right. That, they were made know? out of like uh, some flammable material. <laughs> right. Um, there is uh, a company. Um, I won't name the company, but one company that made it. And if you... It came with a 75-page manual and a 30-minute videotape. Uh, I guess this was a while ago. <laughs> it was a videotape. Uh, and candles and plate guards and flame-retardant cloths and oil and an uh, otoscope. And if you read the, the flyer with this kit, it says, quote, it supplies you with everything you need for a safe and effective session of entertainment. <laughs> right, for entertainment purposes only. Yeah. Because apparently, I think it says uh, that Canada regulates those things, or the U.S. does as medical devices if they make any health claims. Yeah, I think they're illegal in Canada outright. Gotcha. Um, or at least they were. I'm not sure if they still are. But, um, yeah, the FDA won't even – I mean, you can't make any kind of claim right. on the box. If you, if you get an ear candle at your little health food store, just read it carefully. 
They can't make any claims. For entertainment purposes only. Because <laughs> it's a hoot <laughs> to put a candle in your ear and light it on fire. There was one other thing I, I came across in the, the articles you sent me. Um, and I don't know if it's true, but it sounds fantastic. That if if you could create a vacuum with an ear candle, mm-hmm. the negative pressure created by the vacuum would rupture your eardrum. Right. Which sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. I don't know if it's true. It wasn't backed up with a source or anything like that. And I couldn't find it anywhere else, but it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. So don't ear candle people. And if you write in and say, no, you should see the stuff that comes out. It is not your earwax. Yeah. You should put that stuff beneath a gas chromatograph and see what you think. <laughs> I mean, it's proven. This is like, uh, what was it we talked about recently? That- Crop circles. Oh, yeah. We got heat from that too. People are like, no, it's not proven. What was it? <laughs> I think it was that. Okay. Oh, it was crop circles. When we're like, no, they've proven. That these guys came out and said, we made it up. No, I know what they were saying, though. Like, it, it's just like uh, we were talking about with ESP, just because you can disprove. Right, right. Some of it doesn't mean it disproves all of it, yeah. except with crop circles. We should come up with a Stuff You Should Know t-shirt, Friends Don't Let Friends Ear Candle. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, just love your earwax. Yeah, let it fall out on your shoulder and let someone point it out. And you say, That's nature, baby. Yeah. It's because I eat celery. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know more about earwax, you can type the word into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. I think we have it down as one word, maybe. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I said search bar, which means it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this ice cream follow-up. We got a lot of good stuff on ice cream. Yeah, we did. People really like that episode. Uh, hey guys, I'm a student at the in, uh, University of Minnesota, Twin Cities. Started listening to your podcast just this week, and I'm officially hooked. Uh, I'm listening to your podcast on ice cream, which is really interesting because I've worked in an ice cream parlor for the last five summers. Wilson's opened in 1906 and is still going strong today. One of the most famous restaurants in Wisconsin. Uh, there are definitely different types of vanilla ice cream. Yeah, uh, We use two types, French or deluxe vanilla and purple vanilla. Uh, the label on this other vanilla is purple. <laughs> we use purple vanilla for shakes and malts because it's less rich. allows for the flavor of the shake or malt to be more distinguished. We serve French vanilla and ice cream cones sundaes and floats. Uh, and you mentioned having root beer floats reminded me of an interesting thing that I've noticed. Uh, people often get offended when they order a black cow uh, and we have to ask them what it is. That's because almost everyone has a different idea of what a black cow consists of. Some say that it's a root beer float. Uh, some say that it's a root beer float with chocolate ice cream. Some say it's a Coke float. Some say it's a blended root beer float, etc., etc. Somehow they all got labeled as black cow. Hmm. Uh, thanks for giving me, uh, me more ice cream knowledge. I'll actually be able to answer customers now when they ask what the difference between ice cream and frozen yogurt is. And that is from Andrea Nelson. And she says, P.S., those nasty cheap cones with the flat bottoms are known as cake cones. Yeah, I saw that afterward. Don't order them ever. There, I mean, if you're at Jason's Deli and that's all they got. Oh, they have the free ice cream, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And that, that's how I, I... It was like the day that we recorded ice cream, and I couldn't remember the name of the cone. I think I ended up going that night, and there it was. Cake cone. I was like, yes, cake cone. Somebody else called it a wafer cone, but I think that's just wrong. I see where that would come from, because it's wafer-esque. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, but... Yeah. I've never seen it called that before. And that's too close to waffle cone. Right. You know? Right. It makes people confused. So thanks, uh, Andrea Nelson, for that one. 
Thanks, Andrea. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us to say hi or to tell us about ice cream or anything like that, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, you can join us at our home on the web, the luxurious stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 